You're listening to Sascapes, a podcast featuring the stories of arts, culture, and heritage in Saskatchewan. I'm Kevin Power, and you are about to hear a podcast that is a shining example of struggle and of strength and of overcoming adversity. Carrie Rigby Wilcox is a shining example of how shame can be the catalyst to reinvent one's sense of self and affect the lives of so many. Carrie's message is vital in the world of adult literacy. With heartfelt honesty, humor, and a head held high, this podcast gives voice to that struggle and removes the stigma. Carrie, thank you for the difference you are making. And thank you for opening your glorious 18-acre property to me, for letting me see the clay oven you are building, for the chance to pick Saskatoon berries, for playing ball with your dog, for meeting your adorable one-eyed pug, your dancing white cockatiel, and your marvelous family. I am in beautiful Pike Lake on a lovely, sunny, warm afternoon. And with me is the wonderful Carrie Rigby Wilcox. Thank you for coming along for the ride. Thank you for coming out here. Oh, well, how could I turn this beautiful setting down? Well, Carrie, I'm going to embarrass the living daylights out of you first by singing some of your past praises. You are the recipient of the Saskatchewan Council of Federation Literacy Award in 2006, the Canada Post Literacy Award for Achievement in Learning 2001, the Saskatchewan Literacy Award of Merit 1999. You were also nominated for the YWCA Women of Distinction Award. And here are some things that people have to say about you. The, uh, upon receiving her Council of Federation Literacy Award, Saskatchewan Literacy Commissioner Dr. Margaret Lipp called her, quote, an excellent role model for literacy who has shared her experience both as a literacy learner and as a literacy volunteer. And Minister of Learning Deb Higgins observed that Carrie Rigby Wilcox's contribution will help many individuals participate more fully in the social, cultural, and economic life of our province. And one more. Former Premier Calvert said, Her contribution to raising the awareness of literacy in Saskatchewan is helping the province to build a social legacy that will enhance the quality of life in our communities for generations to come. Wow. Wow. Those are some big accomplishments to have achieved, and you're still yet so young. And I haven't heard them all together for so long. It's like, wow. Yeah, there you go. Wow. That's a good reaction. That's a good yeah. reaction. So, tell me where you were born. Saskatoon. Aha. Yeah. And you grew up there. Yep. I grew up here in Saskatoon in the, in the west side. Right. Tell me about this very unique life that you had growing up. 
Well, um, you know, I always like to start by saying, you know, I felt like a normal child. I was played, you know, with all the kids outside. I felt like I had the same kind of house and same kind of clothes, played the same kind of games. I just felt really, really normal. Um, then I trot off to um, school, this foreign place that's really fun. And of course, kindergarten, when you go to kindergarten, it's just amazing. And, you know, the colors and all the things in the classroom and um, still felt quite normal there. And then when I went to the older grades, less things in the classroom, less exciting visually pleasure. And now it was reading. And in that moment, I realized that I was very, very different. Very, very different. Mm-hmm. And uh, Why? well, I realized that um, the, all the other children were actually um, they were reading. They were not looking at books like I was. Mm-hmm. I was I was drawn into the books with their images and their pictures, and I never actually seen the words on the page mm-hmm. in my mind. I just I eliminated that from from what I was looking at. And I love listening to people read and tell stories and talk. Um, but when it came for me to start actually reading the words on um, in, in a book, mm-hmm. it just, it didn't come natural for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that clicked in my brain. And, and it was as if I could forget everything, even though I just learned it. And um, it was very shaming for me. And I felt really... Unnormal. I always thought that I was someone that was dropped off um, from a spaceship. <laughs> like I just didn't belong. I didn't know mm-hmm. where I belonged because all the other children were actually reading mm-hmm. and they were enjoying it. They were using their imagination and not me. And I couldn't, I couldn't grasp that. And it was very, very difficult. So I actually went away into my bedroom and I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, you're never going to get caught. You're not going to ever get found out. You're going to do whatever you have to do to be normal, to look normal. And throughout my years of school, I I tried to dress with what the fad was going on, even though it wasn't comfortable for me to do it. I tried to fit in that way, act the way um, the kids were acting. I I observed people. Mm -hmm. I observed the way they were at every age that I was and um, just tried to fit in and tried to watch myself and have escape plans and plans to get out of reading. And I spent more time and energy keeping a big, huge secret than I did of trying to put my abilities to read. So while you were keeping that secret, what would happen if you were called to read something publicly or have to read something for an assignment. And what I would generally do is um, if I knew that I had to read, I I skipped out of class. Mm. Like it depends what grade it was, right? I could skip out of class. I could sneak out of a classroom. There's 32, 35 kids, you know, in this is years ago, right? Mm -hmm. This is like 20 odd, some more Mm -hmm. years ago. Um, the, The classrooms were huge. There's one teacher they didn't have a teacher assistant. Um, I was able to manipulate my teachers. Mm. I was very good at, um, I, would, I could become sick. Mm-hmm. And I was sick. Mm-hmm. I was very fearful. My anxiety and my stress level got to me and that I couldn't do it. And I was a good kid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the kid, the te- I never caused problems. I was really quiet. And so I was allowed to just be. What about writing? 
I still, yeah. So what would happen when you needed to submit something in writing? Well, I cheat. Right. <laughs> I steal. I lie. Right. I copy. Right. Um, when I did go to school, and that's not good to say, and, you know, honestly, the teachers really did. I'm, I never, ever want to bash the teachers, ever. Mm-hmm. I just Or the education. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to slip through the cracks, and I really want to say that was the best thing that could have happened for mm-hmm. me. I also want to say I never did fail a grade, mm-hmm. and that was the best thing that wow. could have happened. Because if I was to fail, that would have been more devastating on my life, and I don't know where I would be if I actually didn't. But I could, um, I could get, I was allowed to go to a resource room teacher in elementary school and in high school. And I could get my, te- I could say it. It's in my head. Mm-hmm. I could tell you what I needed to verbally. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't put it on the paper. Mm-hmm. So a teacher, an adult could actually write down what I was trying to express or say. If it was a test, I could answer it. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't, I got, nervous and scared and time limits and you know under pressure of a test that I just couldn't focus on writing my answer down and then of course if you spell something wrong and and there was this one time in one of my classes oh it was the most humiliating thing that happened to me of course it was you know when girls really like these cute boys in class and and uh, we had to do a spelling test and my teacher said uh the well the is the, but when he said it, I didn't connect that the and the were the same thing. And of course I spelt it wrong and I spelt all these simple words phonetically, right? But weren't spelt. And English is a hard language already anyways, right? right? It had to get passed behind me. And then that was fine. There was a girlfriend behind me, but then it had to get passed a few more times. The teacher was making fun and our students were marking it. Mm. And so, of course, now this cute boy was marking my <laughs> my mm. homework mm. and everything was wrong. And it was so, you know, it wasn't like he was like, here's your paper. He made it publicly mm. classroom. And that was, you know, those were the times that I could even cry now. Right. Humiliating. Yeah, absolutely. Humiliating. Yeah. 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 To be judged by your peers. Always. Yeah. Yeah. What was what was supportive during that time? Where did you find strength? Because you obviously became uh, a genius at compensating, and that's where it was really good. Is because I could, I could be this little girl that was allowed to um, tell verbally tell, where a teacher would know that I was struggling and mm-hmm. could help me, mm-hmm. um, which was a teacher assistant or whatever, and. Um, there was just no pressure, and that's where I'm grateful for the school and for the teachers that I didn't have the pressure placed on me for my grades. Mm-hmm. Even though they weren't good, and no, I couldn't read very well on a low literacy level, I was allowed to continue, and that was very... And But mine was becoming this invisible child. Right. And so I could... I could disappear and no one would know. Like I could be standing before you and you would have no clue I was even. Because I just, I didn't rock the boat. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything, you know. And in a big classroom, there was the boys. This was my perfect example. There was the boys in the classroom. And uh, they were the mean, aggressive 
boys. And they got kicked out. They got kicked out into the hallway. They got kicked out into the principal's office. Well, why? Mm. I knew right away they couldn't read. They mm. didn't want to read in public. But the teacher didn't know. She just, oh, this is a bad kid. Well, that's who's sitting in our jail system right now, is all those bad boys that didn't have the opportunity. They're the ones with the low literacy right now that struggled with that. And and that's where my heart breaks is because they didn't have... Um, uh, behavioral problem. They had a learning problem and it wasn't recognized. And that was, you know, like I said, that was years ago. Mm-hmm. I recognized it right away because I was dealing with that. Mm-hmm. So, so during the time of being a master of being visible, what things did work in your life? What, what are obviously visual, the visual aspect of your life was huge. So talk a bit about what art, what place art had in your life then? Yeah, well, through the school, it was, for me, going through that school, my whole, nothing for me worked. Mm. I don't feel that that life in that setting, Mm. I was very happy. Mm. Um, So nothing really was, you know, good friends, supportive friends, but um, friends that were actually like me that were in the resource room class. My, you know, one of my best friends, um, she can't read either. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't care. Mm-hmm. She would tell you, I can't write that check. I can't read that. Read it to me. And she'll just say it where I'm the one that's shy and scared. So together, she was, she was like my bodyguard. And in high school, it was so great to have someone because, of course, I went to school and I tried when I first went to high school, I wore um, glasses and at that time, high heels, a skirt and a suit jacket because I wanted to look smart. And when you get to school and high school, no one dresses like right, that. Right, right. Actually, not even the teachers. Right. And then I found my girlfriend, Dale, and she was you know, she had the leather tassels. She had, the, this is in the 80s, so mm. she had, or the 90s, and she had the big hair, 80s hair, and I just gravitated towards her. And in the end, no one was gonna, no one was gonna bully me. Nobody was gonna bother me. And I honestly believe that I got through school because I was safe with her. Mm. And she really did take care of me. And, um, so that's what worked for me in school that I could get through it. And really, I left after I graduated. I did. I received a grade 12 mm-hmm. diploma. Thank you. Know, mm-hmm. Thank you. I knew that uh, uh, that diploma meant that I never had to enter school again. So that's all that piece of paper meant to me. Uh, years later, when I was moving, I looked at this diploma and I... I opened it up to find out that my name's not even on it. I got handed the wrong diploma. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm still saying I graduated. Somebody else's name was on it? Yeah. Someone has yours. Someone has mine. Wow. So I don't actually have my grade 12 diploma. So when after grade 12... And you you wouldn't have known. When you looked at it, you wouldn't have recognized your name? Yes, I would. Yeah, I, I... You know, that's the thing. I have the ability to read Mm -hmm. or had the ability to read. Mm -hmm. I have a very low sight word ability. Mm -hmm. I do not have phonics. It's Mm -hmm. very difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like P-H, 
it should that say app, you know, mm-hmm. phone? Right, like, right. you know, the English right, language right, is, right. is very difficult. Which is a legitimate yeah, question, even like, if you do have phone. <laughs> Why exactly does that yeah. make up? So. so I could, I could, I did have, you know, I was capable of doing, but if it was a new word, I couldn't do it. If I was in a public setting, I couldn't do it. I still today, I'm a reader, mm-hmm. but I, I, I still feel that I'm a non-reader. So mm-hmm. I get this anxiety and I just get stressed and I feel that I can't do it even though I can. Mm-hmm. But what did you thrive on creatively? What, what really just? Well, the only thing that actually, school. yeah. Well, I, I was a worker. I was a worker bee, and I just, you know, after high school, I guess that's the thing. When I moved away, I moved away to a whole different city to start a life. Mm-hmm. And when I ran away to find this, you know, to find myself and who I was without reading and writing, I realized that I came to a crossroads in life, and a life without words is very difficult. Mm-hmm. I thought my life would be so easy and I thought I would run away from my secret, but my secret literally followed me all the way. Mm-hmm. And, um, then I became pregnant. Mm-hmm. So that, and I would, and I became pregnant at a very young age at 18 and I had my son at 19 and that was what allowed me to continue in life. Because now I could live this low literacy life. I could live this low paying job. I could live without even worrying about dreams or goals or desires. Even though I had them, I could put them away. But when I had my son, I knew I needed to do something. Mm-hmm. That was that was my brick wall. That was my change in my because life. Because you felt like it was going to be your responsibility to help him. Yeah. So I cannot read um, his immunization shots. Mm -hmm. So they hand you these stacks and stacks of papers to read before your child gets the shot. You have to sign and and say that you have read it. I cannot read those words in there. Mm -hmm. It is very, to me, that's like one thing that I really get upset about. And that really fuels me because you're handing, you know, we have lots of English as a second language people here Mm -hmm. in Saskatoon right now. And Mm -hmm. you're handing these papers to someone and they're supposed to sign their and they're they're now um legally responsible for that shot to be given to their child and if you don't know that they have a fever then something can happen right right so when i knew that i my literacy low literacy could harm my child that's when i knew i needed to get help so how did that happen? So I came back to Saskatoon. I needed to come back home and be at home. And um, literally my best friend, Dale, her mother, Margaret, said, you know, that there's an organization here and they they only help adults. It's from 18 and up. And they will actually give you a free tutor. So a free tutor meant, um, and it was one-on-one. So which meant I didn't have to go to a classroom. Uh, was one-on-one. I could do it in private at my own house. It was free. I'm now, you know, a mother of one. I can't afford to learn. I never knew what do you, what does someone, an adult do after grade 12? Go to university? Go to, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So that was a very difficult place, right? So to find that there was a place for me to learn and someone that was going to dedicate their life to teaching me to read every Saturday. And that was my tutor, Lisa. And from that moment on, Lisa and I have uh, worked continuously together, and uh, I have been with her for 20, 
tea three years. Wow. So every Sunday, Lisa teaches and we do stuff. Now she's helping me edit my books and we're doing different things like that. But So what's different? What became different when you started to work with Lisa as far as how you, how you saw words? Hey, it's Kevin. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just a quick reminder that the Sascapes podcast is available for free on your favorite podcast app, or you can stream it from your browser. Check out the show notes for the link. On the Sascapes homepage, you'll notice something new under the logo called Sascapes Plus. You can't miss it. There's a big button saying support with a heart icon next to it. I'd love it if you could click on that button and help keep this podcast series going. When Sascapes launched in May 2014, it was the first podcast in the province celebrating arts, culture, and heritage. In fact, you'd have been pretty hard-pressed to find any Saskatchewan podcasts. So I'd like to think that we paved the way. It's been because of your support that this podcast is now in its ninth year. Okay, that's it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Well, it was still getting comfortable with reading out loud because, of course, Lisa is a university professor, English professor. So I was, I was scared, and um, the fear of making a mistake, fear of making a mistake, right. fear of judgment. You know, the shame was still there, um, a fear of not getting it, and really, what she was bringing homework home, like sheets of homework, and ask. I, I didn't like it. I was unhappy. It, it didn't make, it, it wasn't a good fit. And so we had to struggle at first to just be together and relax because I was scared of people. Mm-hmm. Like I was scared of getting hurt and I wasn't sure if she was going to be one that hurt me too, too, right? right. And um, so we became comfortable in communicating. And for me, I didn't make eye contact. I was very scared, scared to um, verbally, and throughout our meeting, we decided that we were going to just sit and have tea together and communicate about our week, and that too is literacy, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's it's trying to articulate your words and get them out properly, and so that was a session, and that was learning, and then we got to a point where, you know, she said, really, what do you want? And I really wanted to read my son a bedtime story. Mm. And uh, deep down, I knew every mother was, that's what mothers do, right? And um, so my goal was to read him a story. And so we went to the library, and which is really funny because the library is somewhere there. I have high anxiety. Wow, and still. I, oh, I'm, I'm good now yeah, because yeah. I've always tried to take my children. Right. My newest book coming out is My Mommy Was Afraid of the Library, which is a true story wow, because wow. Um, my tutor, Lisa, her family always took them every Wednesday. Didn't matter if it was rain or shine. So Lisa says, I feel that you should take your children to the library. Well, I never thought that there would be people in a library full of books. I just didn't comprehend it. And so when we walked into the library, there's a whole bunch of people. And um, I just really, I was shocked 
And because I just, it's not something that naturally I want to do. I don't naturally want to read a book, right? I don't naturally want to go to the library. So for me, it was very weird. And when I did take my children, I didn't want them to have that fear. Mm -hmm. So I sat there and I observed my kids having so much fun. And in the end, I ended up several, several years later, I did. I got. I had my library card, and I actually took out books on how to be an author, self-publisher, an author, an illustrator, and I took books and books and books out and made my first book was Ten Little Ladybugs in My Jar, all from going to my local library. And you penned this yourself, yeah. or were you still at the stage where you had to... Well, this was some years later after getting help with Lisa, so... Let's, um, how do you, how do you explain to a child without terrifying them and transferring that same issue that you had? How do you communicate to them your story around words and yet encourage them to, to... I still have difficulty with children, I've just been recently, you know, I go into schools and I, my, that's my fear. My fear is, is elementary school and high school. And I do go in and try to, you know, I have to try to tell them to make reading fun, Mm -hmm. but I do very much have anxiety to go there. I have been to Pine House and I could sit there and tell you a story sitting in the jail having not one fear and anxiety. Mm. I can talk to adults. I can do that because they, they're on that level that they understand. But for children, um, my goal as a, like I, I am actually considered a children's author. Mm. And the reason being is my goal in life is for those children to take that book and hear my story so that if they have a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle that have literacy issues, that those adults do not, um, that they know where they can go, that they can go somewhere and get help, that they know that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Because when I was a non-reader, I thought I was the only person in the world. And I do not want any other adult learners to sit with the anxiety and the stress thinking they're all alone. So I do go to schools and talk to kids. And when I talk to kids, I tell them to ask for help. Don't keep it a secret. It, you know, it hurts you inside. It's a very hard thing to live a life without it. So ask for help. But nowadays they have teacher's assistants. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, they, they know all these dyslexias and, and all of these things. So they're better able to help children now. But still, the core fear yeah. doesn't. It doesn't factor into all of the efficient systems set up in the oh, world. If, you're, if your <laughs> core fear is so strong, you'll compensate regardless of what's available yeah, to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the core fear is still there, right? Which is, and, and so is that why the issue is around kids? Because a, you're you're reliving that yes. that time again. Yes. So is it that more than your fear that your story will? terrify kids that reading must be I remember when I took a typing course in high school and the typing teacher I remember this to this day the typing teacher said we were working on numbers she said 
everybody does poorly with numbers. Mm -hmm. And the minute I heard that, that said to me, these must be difficult. Yeah. And to this day, I can type really well. But once I have to I hit that know. top row of numbers, <laughs> that voice comes back yeah. to me. So is your concern, was your concern more about the triggers of, of, re, of going back to yeah. your own past? Or was it that you didn't want to communicate that fear to children? Well, and, and, and it is both because, right. you know, if they don't have it set in, just like my girlfriend Dale, she doesn't have a fear, right? right? She's okay to say, no, you don't. But mine really, and, and it is, it is my fear. And that's really true that every adult learner has their own things to go. And even in the school, every child has their own issues if they've gone through something at home. And that, that could be a burden on their learning and their stuff. But I also, it, I have... In, when I came out here to Pike Lake, I was really fortunate. Um, also, with Haley in the City, I was really one of my daughters. She was three years old. And with the program to go into preschool, you actually had to go and work a day or two, two days of every two weeks or a month. I was allowed to go into that classroom setting, which was the like the biggest fear because my first two children, I pushed through the school system. I didn't walk into the school. With my second two, I now had more tutoring, you know, training and literacy learning under my belt. So I was, I realized that my children need me to be a part of their education as well. And that was a big thing for me to realize that I have to make this connection with the teacher. And it is important for my child's learning. So I was allowed to go into that classroom and I was allowed to sit there and, and I was cleaning and I was observing stuff. But it, it was very nice to see how the teachers teach and how they repeat and how they do stuff. And it, for me, it was really, it eased me into the school system again with my children. So then coming out to Pike Lake, I, you know, I joined the SEC, the, you know, the um, school council, and I was allowed to be behind the scenes and help. And now in the school Delisle, um, I'm allowed, you know, I'm on the SEC there too. And to me, it's, it's one of my biggest, you know, you talked about all those awards, mm -hmm. you know, to be honest with you, the award of being an, on an SEC in the school and sitting, you know, with my principal and vice principal and being a part of the school system and, and sitting there and helping, that is my biggest mm. accomplishment, mm -hmm. you know. And now I've just entered into the high school, the junior high, so we'll see how that goes. Right. But that's a whole other fear facing right. again for right. me. So I feel that I am facing all my fears and trying to, you know, trying to get in there. I still have I still have a big issue talking about with teachers. If I find out that they're a teacher, I kind of shy away. Sure. Again, those yeah. are triggers, right? It's triggers, yeah. Right, right. Um, I just want to go back a bit. Book number one comes out. Yeah. What does that feel like? Well, After your journey up until then, what I had never mean? told anybody I was doing it other than my husband and my children knew. Uh -huh. And uh, so then the book arrives. I've got like 4,000 copies sitting there. Mm -hmm. And I'm a self-publisher, which mm -hmm. means I have to market myself, mm -hmm. right? Um, it was huge because it was so fun to make. Um, children love it. Adults don't get it. It's very, you know, it was about a story of these ladybugs and literally Haley, 
Um, my daughter had a jar and she was collecting ladybugs outside our house and when she opened it up, one flew out. So 10 little ladybugs in my jar. So it was really a fun project, but it was based on the fact that I wanted to see if I could do my story. So that was my mommy couldn't read. And that was what I was, that was my practice one, the ladybugs. And then it was to get to my mommy couldn't read so that I could actually release that to the world. Right. Tremendous sense of accomplishment. Yes. I mean, on a, on a personal level, to be able to, knowing everything you've been through, to be able to sit back and, and look at these. Well, and... just when you go to a book, I guess the whole thing is, I, it is an accomplishment, but it's more me stepping into the classroom's accomplishment. The books were so easy for me to do yeah. that I think, you know, that's what I go into school saying, you know, don't let anything stop you. If I can write a book, if I can illustrate a book, I didn't have very good, you know, art supplies, you know, anyone can do it. So that's, I show the process of writing a book and the kids love that. And for me, as, as a little kid looking back, I never... In a million years, would have thought I am where I, where I would have been. Because if I look back and think back, if I wouldn't have had my tutor, if I didn't make that first scary step of setting myself up with the tutor, if I didn't continue with Lisa, um, I would be afraid where I would be. Mm -hmm. I would be afraid for where my children would be. And, um, and I just... I always, as a child, I, I really, I had big dreams. Mm -hmm. I always thought that I would be an artist, and I always wanted to be an author. And I remember my mother having this beautiful typewriter that click, 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 mm -hmm. click. And you know how you push it, it makes that ding, mm -hmm. and the paper going up. And I remember just sitting there playing, and, and she says, what are you doing? And I said, I'm an author, just like Danielle Steele. Wow. <laughs> and then... In time, I realized, well, you can't be an author. You can't read and yeah. you can't write. Yeah. Bang, dream was gone, stopped. Right. And so then when I realized and the books arrived, it's like I can be an author mm -hmm. and I can be an illustrator. And so reading really has opened up my life to accomplish my dreams. Tell me about, uh, we're surrounded by a lot of your artwork. Tell me about when art came into your... It always your has. It's always, art has always been with me. I've always visually liked it. But my grandpa, mm -hmm. um, he, I went over there on the weekends. And um, as an adult, I realized what happened. But as a child, I didn't know. He was sitting there with a piece of paper and he would scribble something on this piece of paper and he would slide it over to me and he says, now make something out of that. And I would do it fast. He said, no, 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 no. Take your time. Take your time. So I would sit there for a half an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, create this beautiful picture. And then I would do one for him. We would just keep going back and forth with this. And now as an adult, I realized that he positioned me very well, that he was watching his Blue Jays baseball game. Uh. And he was trying to keep me quiet. Okay. <laughs> but... Lots of my family members are very artistic and, you know, it just, at that time, it always brought real joy and, you know, this place he would have loved because we always walked in nature. We always looked at birds and I realize now sitting out here at Pike Lake, this was everything that he would have 
loved Mm -hmm. and it just brought it back he was my everything my grandpa was my everything and he just opened so much up for me but at that time when you were young visual yeah anything visual Uh, really kept you yeah kept you going because that made sense to you yeah the visual made sense and to me literally like billboard signs i still i still have to make myself read signs I was standing on the corner downtown on First Avenue across from the bay. And this was maybe five years ago. And I was standing there and I was staring at the bay sign. And in that moment, because I said to myself I would always try to start reading things, I realized that was a bee. I had no clue that that was a bee. It looks like a beautiful flower. It looks like a logo. I didn't know it was a bee. B-A-Y. The bay. Like, I see it as symbols, as, you know, things, but I didn't click the reading to the symbol. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I try to read street signs, and I try, but signs and things are, they still, you know, the phonetics are still there, and it still could be difficult. Tell me about what you are doing in the world of literacy now as far as and as far as speaking, uh, well, all last year I went to I went around and um, I always have speaking engage, engagements. Um, I go. I'm always asked to go to a school. Um, I'm always talking about literacy. Um, it took me a very long time to get back in the thing in in the groove after my first book, my mommy couldn't read came out. Um, after I released that one into the world. Uh, it did very well. Mm-hmm. It got nominated for uh, Book of the Year, mm-hmm. and um, then it didn't win. Mm-hmm. And everybody told me it wouldn't win. And I thought, well, no, that's fine. It wasn't going to win. And I lived with the fact that, once again, I'm not good enough. I'm a loser. People think that, you know. Then when I was driving down the street one day, I realized my head said, did you write the book to win? No. Why did you write the book? I wrote the book to um, show the reading world that I exist. I wrote the book for adult learners to not feel so alone. Um, You know, I wrote the book to help me. And when I realized that it didn't matter about an award, because I didn't write it for that. Mm -hmm. um, I've had phone calls. I've had emails. I've had adult learners. I've had teachers. I've had people say it's changed their, you know, now they understand. Or, you know, that is, once I realized that, I was allowed not to feel that I failed. Mm -hmm. And so I then went back in, you know, I I went back in and I did my daddy couldn't read because I've always felt that the male side needs to be focused on as well. Mm-hmm. And um, now I have another book coming out. Uh, my mommy was afraid of the library, but also my mommy and daddy go to a tutor. Those are coming out. I am now not stopping. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that I'm, I'm not ashamed. My whole goal was to tell adult learners not to be ashamed. Mm-hmm. So how can I still be ashamed? 
Mm-hmm. I have to get over that myself. Mm-hmm. So I have started, you know, with Facebook and stuff saying, yes, I'm an adult learner. Like I'm trying to go more public. A lot of people do know me and I feel happy when I'm asked to go somewhere because they already know. But now I need to expand it to a bigger world where people really haven't heard about adult learners or mm-hmm. people haven't heard about low literacy. And, you know, a lot of people struggle with the fact that I graduated without being able to read well. Struggle because it doesn't make sense? It does not make sense to them. Mm -hmm. So to me, I feel it's my job to explain. I'm a normal person. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong. I don't have a disease. Mm -hmm. There was this place down um, Idlewild, and uh, there was a man in a suit. And this was when I was in elementary school. And he, he did a block test and a blot test. Mm-hmm. And he said, I was mentally retarded and will never function in the everyday world. Mm-hmm. So that was his stamp. Mm-hmm. And after that, basically, that allowed... So that was my label that was placed on me. So years later, um, a few years later, I had talked to someone. And I was at Kelsey, actually. And I told that to some of the students there. And one man cried. And he said, that was said to me as well. Mm-hmm. So if you say I have dyslexia, then, okay, dyslexics aren't allowed to do this, this, and this. So then I, I just felt that I don't want to know what I have. Mm-hmm. I'm functioning. I'm creating. I'm happy. I love life. Why put this stamp of you have this problem? I don't want to know. Yes, but even if it were a di- a problem with a diagnosis... You've risen above all that. I know, but my brain would just retreat back. <laughs> oh. And that's what I like to do with adult learners and adults. I all I like to um, show them to, to have, a you know, like a scrapbook or something because we do forget all our accomplishments, mm-hmm. you know, so that when something like that hits us and then we get down, I sometimes spiral down and uh, that whole thing could... You know, I just don't want to get down there anymore. And mm-hmm. I want to keep remembering that I have, you know, it's hard to remember your successes. It's easier to remember your failures sometimes, sure. you sure. know. Right. Yeah. Right. Because everybody loves to beat themselves around. Yes. Sure. Don't we? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. It occurs to me that you're not only a literacy advocate, you're also, in a way, a part-time therapist. When you go in and- <laughs> When you go when you go in and you speak to yeah. these adults yeah. and you're clearly touching lives, do yeah. they come up to you yeah. afterwards? Well, I always I always try I because I know myself. I always say you can come up to me, mm-hmm. but I always like to stay behind, out of the scene, out of the spotlight, out of the room because I know they'll sneak by because they don't want to be seen talking mm. to me to tell their issue. Oh, that's interesting. So they'll come when I'm kind of outside or down the stairs and they'll say, they'll tell me they're, you know, when you said that, that was exactly like me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I have more people that are brave now and they'll come out and say, oh my gosh, that is me. And okay, so it is really... It's 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 better for me now because I do f- see all these people coming towards me. And and I think I'm looking at my my 
my um, talking and sharing with other people different because when I first started telling my story, I cried. Mm-hmm. You know, I cried and cried and cried, could barely get through it. Mm-hmm. And then next time I was so ashamed of my secret that I didn't want to talk to anybody afterwards. You know, I was so into the fact that I thought they were all judging me. And now that I speak, I'm proud of who I am. Um, I'm proud of where I came from. Um, like even meeting my husband, it I knew that we were going to be together forever. Mm-hmm. But I needed to tell him that mm-hmm. I couldn't read, right? Mm-hmm. And that I was seeing a tutor. Mm-hmm. And it took me literally probably two hours to get it out of my mouth because I thought I need to tell him because if he leaves, mm-hmm. I nothing really has right. started. Right. And then he's when I finally told him, he's like, really? That's amazing. How could you do that? That's great. So wow. all those fears. And he's like, I'm just so proud of you for making it where you are. He, You know, he's always encouraging. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, I have to say that was my initial reaction when I yeah. learned your story. Yeah. It wasn't a... It, I just thought, my God, this woman must be unbelievably strong to have gone through that and somehow be led to actually now writing books. I mean, that would be, most people would just give up and you did the absolute opposite. I've had too many monsters come at me right. and tell me. I was in Ottawa and um, I was at a literacy and health conference. Mm-hmm. I had a doctor come and literally shake her finger in my face saying you should be ashamed of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I said, I should be ashamed of myself. Why? She said, you take more tax dollars than a smoker. And she walked away. Wow. And so then I had her. I had I literally had someone that I was sitting in the parliament building. He had come out of the House of Commons and sat and had a talk with me. And he said, You're a liar. You couldn't have done that. I was a principal. You couldn't have you couldn't wow. have graduated. Wow. So now I have these big authority figures. I had a tutor say I was a teacher. You couldn't have done that. No, you wouldn't have got past me. So I've had these big, huge um that I put on a pedestal, mm-hmm. shame me. Mm-hmm. So those monsters had stuck in my head so bad. So when any good things were said, they were eliminated out, right? And those things just stuck with me. That's the title for your next book, The Monsters Don't Live Here Anymore. <laughs> That's a perfect. That's a perfect. Because I want them to feel that they're not alone. And mm-hmm. we all, yeah. What brought you to the House of Commons? Oh, I was with, uh, at the time it was Movement for Canadian Literacy, and the top adult learner from every province gets to go to uh, Parliament, Mm -hmm. and we all talk about literacy issues, and we try to show, um, there's so many literacy organizations across Canada helping adult learners, and they're nonprofits, and a lot of their money comes from the government. And so when there's 42% of Canadians have low literacy, and that's Canadians that aren't, um, um, that's not on a reserve, not incarcerated, not English as a second language, anyone over the, the parallel of 60 um, up is not in there, nor senior, like, so our 42% would be a lot higher. So we were going to advocate to show that um, this money is needed. For these organizations to exist and that's if I wouldn't have had 
um, you know, my tutor join an organization, I wouldn't be here. Like, I couldn't afford to get the learning I needed to do at that time. And I was allowed to do it on my terms, my way. And for me, I'm a supporter of all the literacy organizations that are out there to help anyone. This scared little kid who did yeah. everything to disappear <laughs> goes off and puts a face yeah. to illiterate, adult illiteracy in yeah. Ottawa. Yeah. I mean, where do, what does that feel like? And do yeah. you know the incredible strength no, behind that? No, I guess I didn't. Uh, my purpose really is, it's, it's never been, it's always been guided for um, the people that sit alone in their room mm -hmm. thinking they're alone. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason I try to do it is because I, the, and the shame and the, the being alone. I just, I can't, if I, if I keep my mouth shut any longer, mm -hmm. um, I would, and if I died without getting all of this out, mm -hmm. I would have wasted my life. Mm -hmm. I do feel that, you know, I was gone through this for a reason. I do have the ability to communicate. Um, I do feel that I've gone through this 23 year journey for a reason. And if I can tell that to help somebody better their job, better their education, help their family unit, like I became, once I started learning for myself, um, honestly, I, my, my shoulders went back, my spine went straight, I could hold my head up, I could go into these community events and be a part of the community. Before I was sitting alone in my house, I would have shriveled away. And that's a sad life to live, and I, I just don't want any adult learner or anyone with low literacy wasting their life alone when there's people loving people like Lisa, my tutor, mm -hmm. that is there, kind, caring, giving, sharing, full of knowledge that wants to share it. Mm -hmm. You're on 18 acres. Do people yeah. come to you here? No, not no. yet. That would be my goal in life. Yeah. My one biggest goal, would I would love, love, love to have a learner conference mm -hmm. where we are the people that put it on and facilitate it and have, you know, I, I go to so many literacy conferences, which are, you know, wonderful in themselves, but they're all the teachers, practitioners, mm -hmm. you know, all of that. And a few of us get to come. Mm -hmm. I want all of us to come. And then we'll just let a few of them. <laughs> and you know that will happen. I, I honestly, I do deep, deep down. If they don't come here to my land, I, I do deep down know that I'll be having a forum of some kind to just help them, just to bring us all together. And that's really what it was when I went to Ottawa. There was all of us there, and we were, you know, from Alberta, BC, uh, PEI, and we came together. And it was just the amazing power that we had as a team for four years. Mm -hmm. um, we think different, mm -hmm. like we visualize different and we're really, we, we really help make some change and some move. And I think putting a lot of us adult learners together, we would just, we'd be powerful. Well, the level of empathy yeah. in the room is yeah. huge. Yeah. And you must see that even when, even when it's not appropriate for you to be, you know, yeah. to be talking, you must move oh, through life and spot yeah, it and go, I aha, do. and gravitate yeah. toward those people. Yeah. Just knowing what you sense. I do.
and my heart like yeah. yeah and that's really where my heart is, is yeah. yeah yeah that's your culture that's yeah, my culture that's huge yeah it is thank you <laughs> you just don't know it when it's like it's not like i'm in it well no i live breathe literacy every day i really do i try to it is part of me and um you know struggling to get it out and sharing it i find my own challenges but that's the thing we get through it all we accomplish it all we overcome it all and i tell my the students when i go see them you know um my first book the ladybug book there's a whole bunch of writing in the back and isbn and all this stuff it was where do I get it from? Mm -hmm. Like the knowledge, I had to research it. Nobody shares. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody would say, oh, you get it from here. I put the book away because it was too hard. And I thought, I'm not, I'm never going to do that. And I push it away. And, you know, my children came up and said, well, where's that book, Mom? And so I brought it back out again. And I overcame that step. That one thing that I was thought that was the most tremendous, difficult thing in my whole entire life at that moment, mm -hmm. I pushed through it. Mm -hmm. And that's and and pushing through that just keep helping me get climb higher and higher, realizing that that's what you kind of have to do in life is push through those fears, push through those anxieties, push through that. And if adult learners sitting in a classroom know, you know, like it's not a quick fix. You know, you do have to put the time in for to learning and to doing, but there is going to be, it's not a, you know, it's not a wonderful, you know, fairyland to learn how to read. It doesn't mm -hmm. come great. Mm -hmm. But if I can tell them, yeah, I, I, I struggled at times. It's going to happen. And, but you just keep going. And so they know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And sometimes when you're sitting in class and struggling, you never see that there's an end or a light. And I want to be that light and show that there's a great life after and in between. We can find you on the internet. Yes. What's the name of your website? Uh, it's www.seeabook.com. So it's S-E-E-A-B-O-O-K.com. Seeabook.com. Yeah. Right, right. So this little kid sits at a typewriter yes. and says, I'm going to be an author. Yes. And here you are. And here I am. You did yes, it. I did. Here's to the next stage of your life. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Sascapes podcast is created by Kevin Power as part of the Culture Days Animateur program operated by Sass Culture. Funding to the cultural sector is provided through the Saskatchewan Lotteries Trust Fund for Sports, Culture, and Recreation. If you want to hear more of these podcasts, or to see the great work being done by other SAS culture animateurs, please visit www.iheartculture.ca. Special thanks to Paved Arts in Saskatoon for their technical support. Sascapes podcasts are also available through the iTunes Store. Music for Sascapes is provided by Saskatchewan-born singer-songwriter Jeffrey Straker. There is no end to the stories to be told. So, until next time...